0: Hey, what you're about to listen to is the podcast version of what was a live radio segment on KPFA. Consequently, when you hear us give out a call-in number, you don't want to call it. If you're listening to this as a podcast, it is already too late, and nobody on the other end of that phone number is going to have any useful answers for you. You can, however, send in a question for our next episode by shooting an email to upfront at kpfa.org. You can also tune in for the next edition live and ask your question over the phone then. We normally are Monday mornings on KPFA, just after 7.30 news headlines. All right, let's go to this week's Corona Calls.
1: And the time is 7.33 in the morning. You're listening to Upfront on KPFA. I'm your host today, Jesse Strauss, in for Brian edwards Kurt. Since yesterday was Monday, but a holiday for Indigenous Peoples Day, we'll continue with our usual Monday programming today, even though it's a Tuesday. We'll spend the next 20 or so minutes on the latest in COVID science in conversation with Dr. John Swartzberg, clinical professor emeritus of infectious diseases at UC Berkeley School of Public Health. Dr. Swartzberg, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Um, we'll, we'll start the conversation now and... Just as a reminder for listeners, we'll be taking calls for questions about COVID science and public health in just a few minutes. I wanna start with the Novavax COVID vaccine. Um, I'm sure that's not a surprise for you, Dr. Swartzberg. The vaccine got the green light last week for use on teenagers and adults here in the US. Let's start here. What do we know about Novavax and how does it stack up against mRNA vaccines?
2: Sure. I'm delighted that Novavax is now available as a third vaccine against SARS-CoV-2. Novavax is different in the sense that it's more of a traditional vaccine. That is, it's the protein that is being um, jabbed into your skin um, so your immune system can react to that directly. The mRNA vaccines tell our bodies to produce a similar protein, almost identical, um, that our immune system reacts to. So this is more direct. It's more like a lot of vaccines that we've made over the decades. Um, it's made in a, a really interesting way. The protein is produced in um, moth cells. Uh, they're the ones, they're the factories for this protein. They can produce it very quickly. Um, it's, the protein is combined with what we call an adjuvant or a chemical that uh, that prompts our immune system to react with greater vigor Uh, that's made from the uh, soap bark tree. So this is a a different type of vaccine, but the message it gives to our immune system is almost identical in terms of looking at how well it works. It appears to be pretty comparable to the MRNA vaccines. We don't know um, some of the fine details of that at this point, but some of the encouraging things are, it seems to give good protection for at least out to four months And that is protection against even getting sick. So that tentatively looks very encouraging. Um, It seems to cause fewer reactions than the mRNA vaccines in general. So if you're a big reactor to uh, the mRNA vaccines, that is you get a lot of side effects, uh, this might be an alternative for you. The problem with Novavax is really related to logistics. It's a small company. They've never brought a a vaccine to market previously Um, the rollout is going slowly and so it's hard to find at this point so those those things will all iron out fairly quickly i think uh, where we'll be able to get it at the pharmacies that are relatively close to us so uh, another vaccine in our armamentarium looks very promising so this is not
1: the first non-mRNA vaccine that we've had access to. I'm wondering if just briefly you could help us out. What's the difference here between Novavax and Johnson & Johnson?
2: Well, a big difference. Um, the Johnson & Johnson uses technologies with, with the mRNA to code for a essentially, again, a, a pretty identical protein, but it uses a different vector. It uses a virus vector that's, that is injected along with that mRNA to um, tell our immune systems to react. Uh, that's the one that had some very, very rare but very, very serious side effects back in 2021, and um, that's why it's no longer available right uh, at this point. So uh, it is different than... It's quite different than the Johnson & Johnson product that was available for us.
1: But we're not worried about similar types of uh, side effects. I'm I'm wondering, does it seem like there's a potential value in multiple and differing layers of protection? You mentioned that for people who have stronger reactions to the mRNA vaccines, that it might be a good idea to try Novavax because it has uh, smaller side effects. Um, but in general for folks would you recommend for folks like me who have multiple mRNA vaccines in the past to get the nova vaccine novavax vaccine um f- with the intention of having multiple and differing layers of protection what do we know about mixing and matching
2: not a lot unfortunately um, mm-hmm. it's just too early to know to be able to act, accurately answer that question I mentioned earlier that there was some tantalizing evidence that it gave good protection against even getting sick out to four months in one study. Um, Other studies have suggested the mRNA vaccines may give a little bit better protection. I think it's really a flip of the coin now. The way I look at it personally is that the most important thing, far and away, is to just be sure you get this new vaccine, Um, whether it's one of the mRNA vaccines or, or if it's Novavax to try to make the decision to hold off on waiting for Novavax because maybe it might uh, be better for you give you a better immune response. I think that's probably not the way to go. I think the important thing is to get vaccinated. I think we'll know a lot more in six months how well the Novavax stacks up against the mRNA vaccines. Some people have said, well, why don't I use mix and match? Um, Why don't I use the Novavax this time since I've always had mRNA vaccines? Maybe it would give us a a broader immunity or something like that. We don't have any data to suggest that. So I think the main thing that would determine it is one, its availability, uh, which is right now problematic, but shouldn't be for long. And two is I think the big issue that people should put in their calculus is if they got a bad reaction to the mRNA vaccines, then try the Novavax this time.
1: Also in vaccine news, but kind of flip side of what we've been talking about, it was announced yesterday that two scientists behind the mRNA COVID vaccines were awarded the Nobel Prize in Medicine. The award panel said, and this is a quote, through their groundbreaking findings, which have fundamentally changed our understanding of how mRNA interacts with our immune system john i'm wondering if you have any sense and i know that you are not exactly a nobel expert but i'm i'm wondering if you have a sense of whether this nobel award could help propel mrna science forward to focus on dealing with issues other than COVID.
2: absolutely um i think the the two who were awarded this vaccine were most deserving of it um frankly mrna vaccines don't need a lot of more propulsion because they've worked so well for COVID. Um, there, being, there are multiple trials now for a variety of other infectious diseases and some cancers using mRNA technology. Um, MRNA technology is, is a major advance forward. Let's look historically at how long it takes took in the past to develop a vaccine. It was, on average, about eight. Excuse me, on average, close to 12 years for most vaccines to come to market. The fastest one we had was mumps; that was either six or eight years it came to market. Some have taken 20 years. Some are still in development after more than 20 years. mRNA vaccines um, was were less than 11 months, just a few days under 11 months to develop this. It was absolutely remarkable. So. The ability to have an idea about what we want to create a vaccine for and then to bring it to market can be done very, very quickly. So the mRNA vaccines um, uh, have had a lot of wind in their sails for a while now, and I think we're going to see a lot more um, very innovative vaccines, Not as I said, not only against infections, but also against some malignancies. Uh, so that will be absolutely fantastic. In regards to the... Um, the two who won the Nobel Prize, I, I would encourage your listeners to to read about them, especially um, Carico. She um, has a very interesting story behind her in terms of her determination and her conviction that this could work and would work. And the decades that she worked on it, both she and Weissman worked on it. Um, but she never received the academic credit for it. She she actually had a great deal of trouble getting grants. She didn't get tenured. Um, so uh, in spite of all of that, she just stuck to her guns and deserves enormous credit. It's an
1: incredible story, and just to reiterate what you said a few minutes ago, the intention here in in our conversation and in, in what I've heard is to reiterate Whether you get the mRNA vaccine, whether you get Novavax, try to go for the vaccine. Now is a great time for you to line up our phone lines. If you have questions about COVID science for Dr. John Swartzberg, the number to call is 1-800-958-9008. Again, that number to call in with your questions is 1-800-958-9008. I have another question and we have quite a few emailed questions this week, but we'll get folks on air as soon as you call in. So first I wanted to follow up with you, John, on a question that a friend of mine posed to me and I really didn't have an answer. You've told us in the past that as far as we know, airplanes have pretty good air filtration once they're in flight where the most exposure that travelers get is while waiting in the airport or sitting on the plane before it takes off maybe after it lands. With all that in mind, I'm wondering what your perspective would be on masking with N95s or KN95s while making one's way through an airport and boarding, but being much more lenient with the mask for the sake of comfort while in flight.
2: Right. I I was talking to a very close friend of mine yesterday who uh, just got back from New York and they did exactly that. He and his wife wore the mask in the airport. They wore it in the airplane until it took off and and the high number of air circulation started up and then they took it off you know i think the way i look at this is that um there's no perfect way to prevent getting getting exposed to this virus so you want Mm -hmm. layers of protection and degrees of protection and depending upon how much protection you want really determines what you're going to do so I personally would wear an N95 or a K95 or a KF94. You know, good mask that fits well. I definitely wear it in the airport. I definitely wear it when I got onto the airplane, and frankly, I just wear it while I'm on the airplane. Um, mm-hmm. Take it off if I needed to eat or drink, of course, but I would just generally wear it because it just adds another layer of protection. For people who want to be or don't care about being quite that cautious, then the next step would be. As you were suggesting, just uh, take it off when when there's a lot of air circulation in the plane. And for other people, it may mean just not wearing it at all. So it's it's a very individual decision how much you want to protect yourself. The nice thing about wearing a mask is that um, uh, you're not only protecting yourself, but you're protecting others because it's important to remember that this virus transmits very efficiently before people become symptomatic. So they don't know they're infected, they don't know they can transmit, but they certainly can.
1: All right, before we go to the phone lines, we had quite a few questions emailed from listeners this week, so I'll start with just one. Karen emailed to say that last week she came down with COVID and was prescribed Paxlovid starting on the second day. Karen is 82 years old and has rheumatoid arthritis. She had already set up dates for this season's COVID and flu shots, but is looking for advice on whether to or how long to delay a COVID shot if she got infected with it just last week.
2: Right, well, I hope Karen's doing well. I'm glad she's on Paxlovid. I'm glad she got it quickly. The, the, the quicker you get it after you get symptoms, the more quickly you're gonna respond. So she should do fine, even though she's 82. The, um, the advice would be in terms of the next COVID vaccine, would be that she doesn't need it right now. She's she's essentially immunized by this infection. She's going to have good protection. So she should wait a minimum of two months, maybe three months, uh, to get the next uh, updated vaccine. <clears throat> In terms of the other vaccines that she should be considering, um, she should definitely get the influenza vaccine. Once she's over COVID, she can go ahead and get that. Um, October is a perfect month to get the influenza vaccine. We're not seeing a lot of influenza activity here in our community yet, so she could get she could wait a week or two after the COVID to get that, um, but she could certainly take it earlier uh, once she's recovered from COVID. The other vaccine, if she hasn't had, that she should give serious consideration to is the RSV vaccine, respiratory syncytial virus. Uh, and that could be taken any time this month as well once she's over this episode of COVID.
1: All right, that's for you, Karen. Um, we're going to go to the phones to bring in your questions about COVID science. Again, if you have a COVID science question for Dr. Swartzberg, the number to call is one 800 958 Nine zero zero eight. We're gonna bring on John from Menlo Park. John, you're on the air. What's your question for Doctor Schwartzberg?
3: Well, thank you very much. Okay, so uh, I believe he said the Novovax revs up your revs up your immune system more than the others. To me, I think that is a negative. My experience is I had COVID three years ago. Uh, all it did was give me a cough. A very funny cough, and then the people around me who had COVID had the same strange cough. We would cough for two hours at night at no other time. So then I got over that, and then two weeks later, I uh, really felt awful. Went to the doctor, and he ran through a whole bunch of tests, and they finally decided that, that you know, I had something. But the deal is, I have long COVID. That's an autoimmune disease. So because my immune system was so revved up, it stayed revved up, and my, my immune system has been attacking me ever since. My whole body, I could never mm. get done explaining to you. I have 15 doctors treating me. I'm in Stanford's recovery program, and they don't know any more about this than I do because I've been studying it for three years.
1: Right. John, so, thank you. So, I think that's a great so, question about Novavax and immune response from it. Dr. Sure. Schultzberg, what do you, yeah.
2: Yeah, John, I'm sorry you're, you're suffering from long COVID. This is uh, that complication that um, five, 7% of people get after COVID, maybe more, um, and it can go on a long, long time. So I'm, I'm sorry you're struggling with it. I'm glad you're at the Stanford gr- Clinic uh, that deals with that. They're a very, very good group. In terms of um, Novavax, revving up, quote, revving up your immune system, I, I certainly didn't mean to convey that it, it does so more than mRNA vaccines. Um, I was just saying that it doesn't quite give the num- amount of reaction uh, that some people get with the mRNA vaccines. Um, but in terms of the immune response to it, it appears to be roughly in the same ballpark. The other the other point about that is that um, uh, you you're, you can't get long COVID from getting any of these vaccines, they actually protect against getting long COVID, not as well as we'd like, but they do protect against getting that. Um, So there's certainly no contraindication for somebody with long COVID to get vaccinated, whether it's with Novavax or the mRNA vaccines. Um, And in terms of autoimmune as the cause of long COVID, that's certainly a, a very prominent hypothesis now that that plays a role. We think that there's likely multiple causes for long COVID. It's not just one cause. And autoimmunity is likely one of those, but there certainly are likely several other possibilities.
1: All right. We wish the best health to John in Menlo Park. We're going to move on to another caller. We have quite a few folks on the line, so we'll try to breeze through them. Let's go to Mary from Berkeley. Mary, you're on the air. What's your question for Dr. Schwartzberg?
4: Hello, after my original second vaccination uh, shot uh, for COVID, uh, which was Pfizer, um, I got something similar to giant cell arthritis. My doctor was worried that I had developed that all of a sudden, and um, it turned out it it wasn't that, but it was similar. In other words, I don't know quite what the mechanism is of of giant cell arthritis, but she was very worried about about me getting that. and so I'm wondering if you think that the shots that have been developed now might um, be less likely to give me that symptom, which was very frightening.
2: Hi, Mary. Yeah, uh, giant cell arteritis certainly can be very frightening. Um, I'm glad that ultimately was not the diagnosis. We haven't seen an association, um, to, to my to my knowledge, I haven't seen any association between giant cell arteritis and the vaccine, and certainly the. Any, any arteritis has been looked for as a potential complication. That said, if you feel more comfortable, then maybe Novavax would be an alternative for you. Um, I'd hate to see you not get the protection of uh, the vaccine if you fall into the category of somebody who's at higher risk, for example, that, um, being 60, 65, or over. Um, definitely getting vaccinated to protect you against getting COVID, which has been associated with a variety of different Uh, problems with the arteries, Um, uh, it's really important for you to to get vaccinated. Again, then you could try the Novavax as opposed to the mRNA, but I doubt there's an association with the vaccines and what you might have had.
1: All right. Thank you, Mary, for calling in, and thank you, Dr. Swartzberg, for the uh, concise uh, response. Let's let's bring one more caller on the air. Now we're going to go to Dorothy in Manteca. Dorothy, you're on the air. What's your question for Dr. Swartzberg? Uh,
4: first, thank you so much for taking my call. Can you hear me?
1: We can hear you, yes.
4: Okay, excellent. Yeah, I in the last four or five days of battling COVID. Um, mm. My my uh, significant other caught it at work. <clears throat> Bought it home, gave it to me, um, and this was one month after winning my battle with breast cancer. So uh it was pretty hard on me. It was my first time catching it. Um the thing that one of two things that concerned me. I caught the Dickens out here in the valley trying to find a test and treatment center. I was turned down. I even had someone at at the emergency room tell me not to come there if I had symptoms and I don't know where I was expected to go. So that's one thing, uh, having clear guidance this time around seems to be a lot harder than the first couple of rounds that we went through. Secondly, I'm a student of nonviolent communication, and my friends and I have a concern that every time we hear a report about uh, the vaccine, um, we're we're hearing words like stabbing in the arm and, uh, Jabbing, and <laughs> I, I'm trying to keep a straight face because I I don't think that's helpful, you know. Um, right. I don't want to be stabbed. I don't want to be jabbed. I want to be protected. But I think it subconsciously creates a bit of anxiety for those who are, of us who are not scientists and just want to stay alive. Thank you again for taking my call. It's a Thank you, Dorothy. Question for me. And um, thank you, Dr. Swartz, for all you do. Bye
2: bye. So, Dorothy, um, let me let me take tackle the testing question first. It's been very frustrating to get the PCR test, uh, the one where they stick the, the swab way back in your nose. Um, it, it's that's been disappointing. How we've really made it very difficult for people to get that test. On the other hand, now we have the home test, which is not as sensitive by far, uh, but something we can do easily at home and have the results in 15 minutes. And you can get four of them free now from the government. Um, so, yeah, I've talked to a lot of people who have had trouble getting that PCR test, and it's, um, it's just very problematic. I don't have a good answer for that. Um, the one thing I would say about the home test very quickly is that if it's if you have symptoms of COVID and the home test is negative, do it again the next day. And if it's negative, still it doesn't rule out COVID. Do it again the third and fourth day because sometimes it's not showing up positive for four and sometimes even five days after your symptoms begin. In terms of... um, the use of language. I think you're spot on. I'm really glad you brought that point up. I've been using the word jab, which is how, what the um, is, is the term that's been used for years in in the United Kingdom, as opposed to a shot. Thinking that a jab was less pejorative than a shot, mm. but I can see your point that even a jab is something that you're not going to want to get. But I've struggled to figure out another word for saying. Get, how do you get vaccinated, but without just each time saying get vaccinated. Um, so if you have so, a good idea, please uh, let let me know, um, because I think you're using, using language that um, has a violent element to it is something that would be nice to avoid, particularly when people are thinking about getting vaccinated.
1: I think that's a good thing for us to marinate on before next week's COVID calls. We are out of time for this week's COVID call segment, but if you have a question you couldn't get to today, please send it to us by email at coronacalls at kpfa.org. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Sportsberg.
2: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: All right, that does it for this week's edition of Corona Calls. If you want to send in a question for the next one, you can shoot an email anytime to upfront at kpfa.org. Or you can tune in live. We normally broadcast Mondays just after 7.30 news headlines on KPFA. We've put a little bit of extra work into repackaging this live segment as a podcast because it feels like the information is useful to a lot of people. and We ought to make it accessible through as many channels as possible. You can help us get the word out by rating and reviewing it in whatever app you're using to listen. And if you want to pitch in some cash, we wouldn't say no. We always take donations at kpfa.org. I appreciate it if you mentioned Corona Calls when you make your pledge. My name is Brian Edwards-Teagert. I hope you have a great week. Stay well. We'll talk to you next time.